Welcome to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where you will hear the answers to many of your investment questions. The material you are about to receive is neither a solicitation nor an offer to buy or sell any securities. Please remember, all investments bear risk. Now, on to our show featuring Gregory Anderson, CEO of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Hi, I'm Steve Koch, and we are here with Gregory Anderson of Granderson Wealth Management. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about what that company is all about. We're going to talk about this podcast in general, and we're going to get a little background about Gregory so that you can get to know him as well as I do. And, and trust me, folks, it's a privilege. Gregory, thanks a lot for setting this podcast up. Thanks for being the expert you are in financial management. Thank you very much, Steve. So I'd like to start with you telling us maybe a little bit about some of the great investments that you've made in your career as a financial advisor. Well, Granderson Wealth Management Group is a registered investment advisory firm. We are a fiduciary. And what does that mean? It's really we're looking at the best interest of our clients. We're not trying to sell a specific product. We try to understand exactly what our clients want to accomplish with their money. But so not, financial not, planning is really the basis of what Granderson Wealth Management Group is all about. Okay. So and when you say you're a fiduciary, what does that mean in terms of cost, for instance? Well, our clients know exactly what it's going to cost them to engage with Granderson Wealth Management Group. If it's investments, if it's financial planning, those fees are disclosed up front. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a little bit different than a broker-dealer where it's a commission. So we are looking for our clients' best, we're looking out for our clients' best interests. So we want to know exactly what they're trying to accomplish. And based on that conversation, we can tell them how much it's going to cost. So a fiduciary, we're on the same side of the table with our clients, just uh, helping them get to their financial independence. Okay, great. And can you give me an example of a client's portfolio that you feel like you managed to perfection? Well, I sure can. And really, our forte is utilizing alternative investments that include energy, real estate, and private equity. And the reason why we think that's important is because of the volatility that we've experienced in the marketplace over the last decade or so. Why are they called alternative investments? Well, they're not stocks. They're not bonds. They're not uh, it's not the run-of-the-mill cash that you may utilize as an investment. So we call them alternative investments because they also perform differently than the rest of the market. They're not correlated with stocks nor bonds. So that's the reason why they're considered alternative investments. Okay. And you said, for instance, in energy? What, what kind of alternative investment can I get in energy? Well, with energy, you can look at direct ownership of a interest in a well or royalty interest in a oil or gas field. Oh, that sounds expensive. It is. It is expensive. So I have to, if, if I want to engage in that kind of investment vehicle, I have to be rich, right? Well, you have to have what we call a 
you have to be a qualified investor or accredited investor, and that's what uh, defines those types of investments. So it's not going to be for run-of-the-mill. Uh, it's really designed to diversify the portfolio, and uh, we're saying that a small portion of your portfolio should have some type of alternative investment. And it could also right. be gold or silver, again, because it does not perform with the rest of the market. So what we're doing is we're trying to diversify portfolios for our clients. Okay. So hopefully then, if there is a downturn in the stock market, maybe these alternative investments aren't negatively affected or at least not as much. Is that that's that's correct. It's that's the reason why I said they're not correlated with the rest of the market. Mm -hmm. So they perform differently. I'm not saying that they're going to perform uh, opposite, but there is a there is a, a correlation. The correlation is not the same. So usually, if stocks perform one way in one particular industry, let's say if it's industrial or basic um, industries, they'll perform basically the same. Whereas if it's an alternative, if it's real estate or energy, it tends not to perform the same as the rest of the market. Okay. So what we want to do is diversify the portfolio so that when we do see a downturn like we saw in 2008, 2009, or even what we saw in March of 2020, where the market did, the equity markets did fall. And people were, if they sold their investments, then they did lose money. Mm -hmm. But shortly thereafter, the market recovered. If we're looking at equity uh, types of investments. Okay. And, and you do have clients then who do have diverse, they have diversify their portfolio into these alternative investments. That's correct. And they were able to uh, survive, maybe that's not the right word, but they were able to absorb the, the negativity downturn. of the downturn. The downturn of the, of the market. And what happens is what we want to do is diversify the portfolio so that all of the money is not in one particular sector or one particular asset class. And that's the reason why we pride ourselves in diversifying with alternatives. And that's one of our trademarks. We do different better. Mm -hmm. And the doing different better is looking at alternative investments that do not perform with the rest of the market. Okay. This all sounds very complicated. When did you realize that this was like the perfect job for you? When did you realize that you were just made to do this and, and help make people rich. Well, it really started in the 90s. Uh, I had an opportunity to work with a trust company, and I was the national uh, sales director for the trust company. And we basically utilize real estate as a way to diversify portfolios. So hmm. that's my experience in seeing how this does perform. So with the with equities or stocks per se or fixed income or bonds, they perform a specific way whereas real estate particularly is a great way to diversify a portfolio 
and get a great rate of return. And in fact, when you look at an overall portfolio, so this gets back to your question, how have we done this and the experience, there's empirical information that says if you had a 60% portfolio in stocks or equity and 40% in bonds, if you were to take a little bit of that portfolio and start to allocate, let's say 10% or 20% into the portfolio, it actually increases the overall rate of return and lessens your risk, your overall risk by really? just adding. It lessens the risk. It lessens the risk because when of I the hear, When I hear alternative investments, I'm thinking, oh, risky. And That's when I hear oil wells, I hear, oh, risky. And, right. And, and Tell me a little bit about some of these real estate vehicles. You're you're not you're not just saying, well, Steve, I can sell you this house down here on the corner, right? Correct. That's not you're not a real estate Correct. broker. Well, that's exactly right. What we do is we work with companies that diversify these portfolios with real estate. So it's commercial real estate. It could be office buildings. It could be a medical building or a group of medical buildings, as well as shopping centers. So it's professionally managed, so it's a little bit different than going out and buying a house. And generally speaking, they're a real estate fund or a real estate investment trust, and it's professionally managed. So you're getting the expertise of a professional real estate So I have investor. a share in a strip mall. I have a Correct. share in an office building. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's exactly right. right. And it, it can, there's just a food group in terms of commercial real estate where it can be industrial properties, it can be a hotel, it can be an office building. So there's much, a variety, and not to mention what every, everybody needs a place to live. It could be a multifamily apartment complex or a, um, even student housing is mm -hmm. considered uh, real estate. So these have predictable rates of return based on the income that it generates from the rents. Great. And what other services does your firm offer? Well, as I was mentioning before, we, we provide comprehensive financial planning. Mm -hmm. And really, that is the basis of our engagement with our clients. What we're trying to do is help them figure out exactly what they're trying to accomplish. So we ask a series of questions and we want to understand what the goals are. Mm -hmm. So the goal could be retirement. About 85% of what we do is retirement planning. Hmm. However, there can be a situation where client is looking to plan for college education or grandparents are planning for grandchildren's college education. It could be planning to start a business, uh, down payment on a house. Uh, it could be a sabbatical. A person is looking maybe to take some time off. What we're trying to do is understand what our clients want their money to mm -hmm. do. The money is really just the means to get to yeah. those particular goals. So it is a goal-based right. approach. We're looking more at a comprehensive approach where opposed to saying we want to sell you this investment and that's the reason why I started off saying that we are a fiduciary. We're trying mm -hmm. to understand what our clients are trying to accomplish. Yeah. Okay. And I keep hearing the word planning. And every time you hear the word planning, I'm thinking, oh, that means long term. That means you need a good amount of time 
in advance to get to where you want to be. And so if I come to you and say, Gregory, uh, I've heard all about your firm. Um, my daughter is going away to college next year, and I haven't saved any money for tuition. i got to pay for the college. What are you going to tell me? Well, I'm going to tell you that we look at short-term goals, intermediate-term goals, and long-term goals. So what we have to do is understand what available resources are available uh, to meet this college objective. And sometimes it may not be, you may not have enough time to save, uh, but you may be funding it uh, through cash flow, through your earnings. Mm -hmm. And one of the ideas that I would say is if you are able to fund this with your cash flow, there may be some tax advantages available. So that's the reason why mm -hmm. when we look okay. at the financial plan, there are really five areas that we want to concentrate on. One is investments. The mm -hmm. second is retirement. The third is insurance. The fourth is estate planning. And then the fifth being income taxes. Okay. So there are some tax advantages that we would want to talk with our client about in that particular situation where they haven't right. gained a lot of time or they have a lot of time to fund. But, you know, three years, four years down the road before that a student is going to graduate, there may be ways to um, save a little bit more so it's pre-funded, and that's really what we're trying to do. Okay. And what I always tell people is that the most important goal is your goal. So whatever it is, it you know, I don't know what specifically it is, but you have to tell me, and we have to put some some times around that particular goal, as well as what kind of money you want to dedicate, and then also looking at a rate of return. Okay. So now I hear you talking about tax implications, insurance as a kind of a supplementary aspect of all. You're not a tax expert, I don't think. You're not no. an insurance expert, no. I don't think. You're a financial advisor, Correct. and you are an expert at that. Correct. But I assume that since all these other things, components affect how your clients are having their finances managed. Do you pull in partners? Do you go for consultation with other people? How does that work? Absolutely. A good example of that would be estate planning. So we do not draft documents for our clients. We don't do wills. We don't do trusts. We don't do powers of attorney. So, and we don't practice law. So all of those items that I just described need to have an attorney to mm -hmm. draft those documents. So we will consult with our clients as far as maybe a trust is advisable, but as far as implementation and drafting those, those specific documents, that actually comes through an estate planning attorney. Okay. So we do rely heavily on these other experts in the field, and, and such as taxes, a CPA, for example. But, and you know, your, we, we, you know, just based on my experience of over 30 years in the financial services business, I'm able to provide my clients with the best advice and we seek out those professionals to implement. Are your clients required to go to those other consultants? And while you think about the answer to that question, I'm going to pause here for a commercial break.
Okay, we were talking about the clients using consultants or partners that you're aware of, that you're confident in. Are those clients required to use those specific partners? We will not dictate specifically who our clients work with. If it's a CPA or an estate planning attorney, we provide names that we've worked with in the past. But if our clients have had success with a CPA or an estate planning attorney, we continue to engage with those individuals. So I would say we want to work with the best people available. Our clients really dictate. And if they've had success, we'll continue on with those individuals. You seem very excited about these services that you offer and the way you offer them and the integrity behind all these services. What's the toughest part of your job? The toughest part of my job really is the financial planning aspect. It's gathering the information. So when we're putting together those five pieces and we're looking at the goals and we're looking at the timelines, it's obtaining information that means completing the questionnaire. It's also looking at the income tax returns. It's looking at the employee's benefit statement. It's really gathering the information. I would say that's the most difficult part because it takes time, because we may not have all of this information readily available. It may be uh, stored away someplace, but insurance policies, we want to take a look at those. We want to look at the the estate plan, which can include the trust as well as those trust documents, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, wills and trust documents. So we want to make sure that that information is available for us to review. Okay. So I know that after you're done all that research and interviewing and document collection, one of the things you want to end up with is an idea for your client's risk tolerance, a level of risk tolerance. How hard is that to get to? And have you ever had a situation where you thought you were at, you had an understanding of what the risk tolerance was and it really wasn't what you thought it was? Well, we utilize a questionnaire, and the questionnaire is a very effective tool in identifying our client's risk tolerance. So what I'm looking to do is find out if they're a conservative investor or a moderate investor or an aggressive investor. So they also could fall into moderate conservative or moderate aggressive, but we really, want to know where they are. The, the questionnaire, I think, is very good in terms of <laughs> finding out where they want to be. However, reality hits. And reality is, are you able to, once the investments are made, are you able to sleep at night? That's really the, I think mm-hmm. that's the question that you're, at, you're asking me. And yes, of course, because if an individual has not had a lot of investment experience, they see a pullback in the markets, they see the investments going down, then that creates some agita. And that agita can be corrected by identifying what the goal is. How long? And I'm saying that more Mm -hmm. of the timeline. So that's one of the reasons why we wanna be able to identify the goals 
and match the money with where that goal is. So if it's three years down the road, we want to be probably a little bit more conservative if that goal were maybe seven or 10 years down the road because we have more time for the investments to work. But if it's three years, we don't know if it's going to recover Mm -hmm. if it's shorter term and the market goes down. So what we're going to do is invest more conservatively where we'd be able to see more of a predictable rate of returns. And some of those investments would be maybe dividend paying uh, stocks as well as maybe fixed income as well. Mm -hmm. So we want to match the investments with a specific goal. Okay. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that your company's financial philosophy is long-term investment is preferable. Is I would that, I would it, say it, that's all, correct. All I would say yeah, and that's and that's that's absolutely correct, Steve. Because if if we're spending about eighty five percent of our time working with retirement planning, and usually people are more than ten years away from beginning retirement income, so we have a little bit more ability to have would be able to achieve those goals with with stocks, for example, because it takes time for stocks to perform mm-hmm. if we're in a so, diversified portfolio. So what is long-term? What do you consider to be long-term? I think long-term is any like five years on mm-hmm. is really considered long-term. So I would say short-term would be anything less than a year and a year to three to five would be probably intermediate. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, so we would match investments that way with that specific goal in mind. And then the most important part is also continuing to add to those particular investments on a periodic basis where we're buying high, buying low. So that kind of smooths out the overall rate of return. Mm-hmm. Gregory, what's your general impression of the stock market, the investment environment right now? I believe every portfolio should have equities or stocks in the portfolio. And the reason being is because over a long-term period of time, they provide the best rate of return. Even if I'm 90 years old? Well, I'm saying that you should have stocks in your portfolio in order to abate any kind of inflation. And stocks do that. So we're in an inflationary environment right now. As people return back from the pandemic, it creates this inflation. And stocks have provided that inflationary hedge. So if a person is 90 years old, I'm not saying 100% of their portfolio should be in stocks. But they should have stock exposure to abate any kind of inflation. Okay. And... Speaking of inflation, is there some sort of a signal that we should be looking at? Uh, Some kind of a red flag that we should be wary of if inflation is one of our big concerns as general investors? Generally speaking, what happens is the Federal Reserve gets involved and curtails Uh, the growth of the money supply, and usually they do that with higher interest rates. Uh, Right now, we are seeing some of the lowest interest rates ever, historically, and inevitably, rates are going to have to increase. 
And if we have investments that are going to protect us against inflation, stocks do that very well. Whereas on the fixed income side, we're seeing these low interest rates and it makes it very, very difficult, as I had mentioned earlier, for retirement planning where individuals have used fixed income to provide that predictable rate of return, predictable income, it's very, very difficult. And with interest rates increasing, that causes the price of those bonds to decrease. So there are other alternatives that we have to look at as far as meeting the income needs for those individuals. And as far as interest rates are concerned, do you have any sights set on targets over the next six months to a year? I would say that stable or higher. It's Hmm. really, really difficult. I think uh, in a video before, I think it was last fall uh, at one of the forums, I had mentioned the 1%. Uh, being uh, kind of a target, and maybe that's that's where 1%, we see it. One percent, one percent on the ten treasury. on the ten year treasury. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So, it's, so you're looking at one percent as a target. Well, I think it's very difficult that uh, at one point two, one point three right now on the ten year treasury. I would say that the rates are are going to go up, but we could see a one percent treasury. Okay. Um, I would, even though this is supposed to be just kind of a general introductory, get to know Gregory Anderson type of uh, episode of Grand Turbo Moneycast, I would be remiss if I did not ask you what you thought about the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic's effect on the market quite recently and possibly for the foreseeable future. I don't think we're seeing the end of the pandemic uh, in the next uh, few months. I think we're seeing an increase in the number of cases, and I would not be surprised if uh, we see uh, booster shots coming in and the revisiting of uh, masks. Um, It's just a very, very difficult time. But as far as the economy is concerned, I think that we will revisit technology types of investments, uh, work from home as a way of um, being able to continue on the economy, not short short selling it where we're uh, closing down the economy, Mm -hmm. but we'll be working differently and working smarter. Is it fair to say that we should, should have at least learned that it's probably not a good idea to panic in, you know, if there is, in, in fact, an increase in the number of COVID cases and if there is, in fact, a change to the way the economy is evolving. Should we have learned from March of 2020 that it's not a good idea to panic, especially if you're in a long-term investing mode. Correct. I, I believe, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I believe even if there is this situation with increased cases with uh, the coronavirus and its uh, variants, 
there is an opportunity in terms of the economy, how we work, how we're smarter about how we work, and technology, healthcare sectors will benefit as a result. Okay. Well, thanks for letting me digress from the point of this initial episode, which was to let people get to know you. Would you mind, at, the t at this point, telling our audience a little bit about Gregory Anderson, who is other than the financial advisor? Well, born and raised here in Denver, Colorado native, of course. I have spent most of or all of my life here in Colorado, except for two years in Missouri when we moved our family to um, uh, to, to the position, uh, the trust company in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. But uh, I am an outdoors person. I like to ride my bike. I'm a croquet aficionado, and I like hiking. So those are my three things. I've uh, been married for 37 years uh, next month or okay. August. Yeah. To the, the lovely Robin. <laughs> the lovely Robin yes. Anderson. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> and, so, and what is your and what is your what is your croquet handicap? Well, see, I haven't really competed <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, in a official sanctioned event. So I have uh, I'm uh, an enthusiast at this point. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish with this podcast? Well, I want to have a medium to let individuals get to know me, get to know our services, our philosophy, how we do things. And those things are really encompassing. And I, I think it's more of a concierge service that we provide where we're trying to understand what our clients are trying to accomplish. And it's a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship, uh, not only with the clients, but their families to help them get to where they want to be. I hope it's not considered distasteful to talk about specific dollar amounts, but how much of a portfolio do I need to get your interest? Well, I, that's a very good question. In fact, a new client this uh, week asked me that specific question. And really, I want my clients to be engaged in the financial planning process. And that process really is a roadmap to where you're going. So unlike many of the financial planning and wealth management companies that are out there, I do not have a specific dollar amount that okay. a client needs to have in order to work okay. with Granderson Wealth Management. So I can Group. come to you with $5,000 and say, Gregory, what should I do with this? Correct. That's wow. exactly All right. right. All right. Great. Um, one of the things that I'd like to get kind of instituted into this podcast is the investment tip of the month. So I'm hoping that you will have an investment tip that you would like to share with the audience? Well, the investment tip that I want to provide this month is really diversification of the portfolio. So the tendency right now is that the equity markets have really run up over the last decade, in fact. Uh, there's been maybe one year in the last 10 years that we had a negative rate of return for the from January 1st to December 31st. 
So what happens is there's a tendency for clients to look at only stocks as their portfolio. And I believe, and I know, historically speaking, that you do need to have a diversified portfolio that includes not only bonds in the portfolio, not only uh, commodities or alternatives, but the whole diversification of the portfolio. Because even if you started with, let's say, a 60% portfolio in equities and 40% in bonds, over time, you're going to, if it's that 60% in equities is going to maybe be 80 or 90% of the portfolio because it's grown. Sure. So we're yeah. looking at diversifying portfolios in order to get our clients to where they need to be and also to insulate them mm -hmm. from the downturn uh, that the market could see in the near term. Okay. So sounds like I need to go get myself some real estate investment trusts. All right. <laughs> well, it's been a real privilege talking to you today, Gregory. I hope that uh, our audience has learned as much as I have from some of the stuff that you've been talking about today. And I look forward to doing this again with our next podcast. So do I, Steve. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share this information and to facilitate this in this meeting. You've been listening to Grand Turbo Moneycast, where we discuss some of the most important investment issues affecting your portfolio. Check back regularly for future editions of Grand Turbo Moneycast. And for more information, go to grandersonwealth.com. Have a good day and a grand portfolio.